0: Welcome to the Layman Filmmakers Conversation, the show that brings the ultra low to no budget filmmakers together. On the show, there will be discussions on your latest films, the struggles, the difficulties, and the experiences endured on the creative storytelling journey.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Layman Filmmakers Conversation. And today, I have a wonderful guest. So please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself.
0: Well, my name is John Sorries, Um and I'm, I've been an independent filmmaker for, I guess, like 20 years,
1: <laughs> I guess you could say.
0: I can't. Does that, does that seem
1: right? 20 years? It, it, it probably does. Well, it depends how long you've been doing it for. <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing it for 20, yeah, years about, 20 years.
0: About 20 years. I'm just a little bit You're shocked wrong. to hear that come out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and I am also a, a professional editor um, in, in primarily in animation. So I've been I've been editing animated movies and TV shows since 2014. Uh, so that's my that's my day job, and I make my own stuff when I can. Right.
1: <laughs> Usually yeah.
0: when I can afford it. Usually what that means.
1: Now, you say you make your own stuff. Now, this is really interesting because although you're an editor, so you're sat in front of a computer, you're an editor, and obviously you do animation. But when you say you do your own stuff, you actually do action films. And not only do you do action films, you're a, you're a director, you're, a, you're obviously the cinematographer at times, if I'm, if I'm correct, and you even do your own fight sequences and your own action stuff. I mean, that's that's a whole different, that's a big leap there. So, you know, tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, I, I started, do, uh, the way I started was I, I was doing my own live action stuff. Um, I didn't work in the industry or anything. Uh, I got out of high school and I just started making, <laughs> making film stuff, you know, and didn't live in an area where that kind of business happened. So I, ne- I didn't have a job doing it or anything. I wanted to make big movies. And I realized that, uh, you know, watching martial arts films and things like that, I realized that you could get a pretty big bang out of a martial arts sequence. Uh, sometimes as, as much of a, you know, a bang as a big expensive set piece in an action movie, you know. So I started trying to learn how to do that because it's like all you need is a couple of guys. You know, it's not that expensive to do. Um, So I spent like 10 years, you know, dabbling in that kind of stuff. And eventually I I made some early internet action shorts. Later I made my own feature length action movie, which was a huge undertaking and took like 10 years of my life. And that eventually led to me getting hired, you know, by these studios to do editing and animation, which I never thought that I would do, but it, it was a good fit. It, it worked out.
1: So you actually got your job um, that you're currently doing at the moment as an editor, you got that based on all the stuff that you'd done previously with all your short films then?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was asked by a friend, like in, around, I want to say 2013, I believe it was 2013. I was asked by a friend if I would be willing to edit a cartoon. Right. And I was like, I don't know what goes into that at all. You know? And oh, wow. he's like, trust me, you know, like he's like, you do, you do action stuff. You do Kung Fu stuff. Like you're, you're a nat- You'll be a natural. And, and I've been doing that ever since. That's, that's been my fantastic. day job ever since.
1: That's not like everyone. That's like every filmmaker's dream, isn't it? It, it's a cool
0: job. You know, it's, uh, it's a good job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say that much. It's, it's like all of the stuff that you've learned basically comes to bear, you know, and and you can use it in your day job.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Um, and of course, I'm still free to to do my own stuff on the side, you know.
1: Do Do you get time now? Obviously, you've um, back in the day, obviously you I'm assuming you had time to do like your own short films and I just I personally find that as you get older your responsibilities and your commitments get more and it's a lot tougher to make even if it is just a five ten minute no budget film that I think time is becomes an essence and it becomes so much more harder to actually make um, even if it is just a no budget project on the weekend do you still have time do you find yourself time to put together a project Time. Yeah.
0: Time is the hardest thing. I mean, I, I have way, I have much less time than I used to, mm. <laughs> but uh, I try to make time, but yeah, I, I have less time and I have less energy. You know, like I'm, I'm getting older. And <laughs> I'm not an old man yet, but yeah, it's, it's harder yeah. when I was younger. You know, it's like when I, when I first started, I made a series of, martial art comedy shorts um called sock baby so
1: you're, you're old enough to remember yeah they were
0: good because uh, i was like 2000 i want to say that was 2003 yeah. 2004 at that time i was just like i was in my early 20s and i was just like didn't care i was like i i didn't have a day job i would just i would just do gigs here and there and make a few hundred bucks and and i had tons of time because i was just the only thing i wanted to do was make these weird films you know and as i went into my feature after that it was like i think around 2008 i moved into making my own feature length movie and of course i still had no money but i still had all this time and it was like throughout the whole production of the feature i was i was broke and had I, most of the time didn't have a job i would just do gigs just to make enough money just barely pay the rent yeah and spending the rest of my time making this movie, it, it now it's like harder to. It's harder to justify yeah.
1: doing. Because especially when you've got a full time job, it's hard to fit it around. I mean that that's so that's so interesting. Obviously, the reason why I asked the whole time question because obviously I think most filmmakers sort of not in their twenties find it a lot harder because obviously, like I said, there's commitments. But do you find that now with with technology at our reach, um, even though we don't have time, do you think it's a lot more easier to come up with, um, obviously doing a concept's easy, well not easy, but I mean, we can sit at home, you know, when we get home, write out a half day. De- well, hopefully what is, could be a good story, and then say, right, the story's done, now I've got to find the time to either film it on my phone or my DSLR, which is what we've all got, you know, at our fingertips do you think that it's still um doable is it still for those of us that have got full-time jobs that still want to you know do no budget projects do you, do you think that it's still accessible that it's still doable
0: i i mean i think anything is possible
1: it, it really has
0: it really comes down to how determined a person is to do it because uh, i you know i feel like a lot of the stuff i did when i made the the, the feature my feature danger element that when i look back on it i don't understand the dirt the determination that i had mm. to do it you know and oftentimes i didn't know where my next meal was coming from mm. but i did know what the next shot that i yeah, needed to get is, was
1: you know that is passion <laughs> today yeah,
0: well, yeah, today it's it's harder to find that yeah. but I'm, you know, I find that it's like it's still possible. You you kind of just have to think in terms of like rearranging. You you look at everything you've got access to. You look at what kind of time you have. You look at your resources, and you rethink it. And you think, is there a different way to do this than the way that I did it before? And I think, yeah, I, I think it's possible because there's there's also you know like you said there's new technologies, there's new ways to work. I you know I work from home. And I have these elaborate meetings um, with people where there's synced audio and video and we're doing live edits. And th- this is something that I couldn't even do five or five or 10 years ago. You know what I mean? So there's tools available. And it's like, like the challenge for me is really sitting back and going like, what tools are available that weren't available five years ago or 10 years ago? Because as I get older, I'm like, the stuff is just zooming past me.
1: Yeah, you got to keep up to date, haven't you? Uh,
0: <laughs> I started learning, you know, 3D software like last year. It's much easier to use now than it was 10 years ago, you know, and and I didn't know that. See, I, I took like a class like 10 or I think almost 20 years ago, and it was just like too hard. I was like, this is too much for me. I can't, you know, too hard.
1: It's too tedious. I want to spend my time kicking ass. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I want to make something, you know, but now it's like, it's much more accessible. It's much faster. It's much more intuitive. So it's like, there's all these tools out there that once you realize what they can do, you, you know, you start thinking, Oh, this might still be possible. You know, even with the limitations in my life, you know,
1: I do, I do think that um with the fact that we can, for example, make a film on our mobiles and just everything that we've literally got in our cupboards you know DSLR whatever it is we got it is, it is accessible and it does make life a lot easier for us now whereas before back in the day you know if we we're at university or in you know anyone in, over on your side of the pond um, college you'd have to go see a tutor your professor <laughs> oh, I need to get you know can I book the equipment out it was a, it was a, it was a long process um I'm, I'm i'm gonna obviously all the all the you know the younger generation have probably switched off by now but you know it's i think it's good to talk about these things <laughs> but, um but yeah with now it's it is, it is although we have got this this technology at our fingertips it's you know it's important before we touch this tech that we actually do nail down a decent story um and Going into the danger element, which I'm a massive fan of, and I really, really would love for everyone that's listening and, w- and watching to obviously be leaving links to um, the danger element and everything else that you've done to actually take a look because y- you talk about the passion and the determination that you did to make these the, this project. But when you watch it, I mean, the work that went into it was inside any filmmaker that... that's in the industry and looks at this knows the amount of work that you put into it and the fact that you did it with next to no money is insane so what I would like to ask you is like obviously you've touched base on 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 you know the the, how you know the fact that you literally didn't know how to pay your rent or whatever and you know you you were like no I've got to do this film you know let's think about tomorrow tomorrow sort of thing um, please tell us, I mean, how, you know, walk us through how you actually even come up with the concept of doing an action project, an action film, and then executing it because there's a lot of work in that. I mean, talk us through that.
0: Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, saying those things because I, it means a lot to me that someone uh, gets it, I guess, you know what I mean? When you, when you make something, it's always nice that somebody sort of looks at it and is like, I see what went into this. That means a lot. When you know, when I first got out of high school, I already wanted to do films. I, I think I knew that I wanted to do that when I was a child, but I did. You know, I didn't really know what went into it. I got out of high school. I took like a TV class at like the local mm-hmm. junior college. You know, because I, li- I lived in the Central Valley, and there was just like nothing much going on there. Like I said, that was where I really loved action movies but that was where i first started seeing martial arts films you know i and i was, i'm looking at it i'm going like if you really break this down that's just like a guy he's doing like th- you know three or four moves and then there's a cut and then there's five or six moves and then a cut and i'm thinking right. that's all you're seeing you know i i could do that so i started experimenting with it and of course you know in the beginning it was not great but you could see that there was something there it was like all of a sudden i was doing something that was different than what the rest of the people in the class were doing you know what i mean and they're like well how are you doing that you know there's this there's kind of question like you can do this and it was just luck of the draw it was like martial arts films started to become popular in the u.s around that time it was sort of a boom when the matrix came out things like that and i just happened to catch on. I was like, well, this is my way to make something that feels bigger. So I just started doing that. I was just like messing around. I mean, literally just like 18-year-old kid with his friends just making these short action, Mm -hmm. goofy action things. And I think that was around the time I I met uh, Doug Tenaple, who is a comic book artist. Uh, He's the guy that created Earthworm Jim. It was like a video game back in like the late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember Mm -hmm. when, when the date was, but he was the one that was like, "Hey, let's make this thing together." That became Sock Baby. He, you know, each we made like three of them, and each one of them, it was like he would just pull three hundred bucks out of his pocket and be like, "Here's the budget for for this short," you know. Amazing. So we'd spent, you know, and we'd we'd so we could, you know, get get a bunch of people together and get food, and it's like how it, we had yeah. these big action sequences where like. You know, the main character is fighting like 10 or 20 people. And so we, we were able to like use this minuscule budget to like buy a bunch of Taco Bell or something yeah. and get people to show up. And that was where I really got this taste of like people like what I'm doing because it, it went on. It went out on the Internet. I gained sort of a cult following. And I got this sense of like, hey, there's people out there in the world that are liking what I'm doing. They like this. And then, and I thought, but this is not really my thing. I, I have like a different sensibility as for like what the tone the tone of a movie should be or this. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to make my own thing. And that's where Danger Elements you know, first was incepted. But of course I had no money. And what kind of pushed the project forward, I wrote a script. And what kind of pushed the projects forward is that there, there was a guy that I knew and we're just hanging out one day and he was like, hey, what kind of a movie could you make for like $25,000 and I was like you know and then I'm like I'm in my early 20s you know and I'm going you know I'm just an idiot and I was like I I was like I could make the greatest movie you've ever seen you know what I mean he's like hey like uh, he's like he's like he's like maybe we could do this you know so you know I polished up the script and we act we got to the point where we started filming it and then like the budget fell through what little budget there was, I spent the next, I, you know. So I had a couple of scenes shot. You know, I had like an action scene, that opening scene with the truck chase and the in the car, the drag stunt and all that stuff.
1: And not even insane. It was epic. It really was for such a low budget. It was crazy. So I started trying to shop that around, just to local
0: people. Like you know, you finance the rest of this movie, and yeah. of course nobody wanted to do it. That's where then I got the idea. I mean, you, you probably remember all of this. I I basically was like, I'm going to make it myself, uh, episodically. Like I'll make five minutes here and five minutes there and I'll just put it on YouTube. And then the more people that see it, maybe I can raise money, you know? So I started doing that. We ended up raising, I think about 10 grand. And then my friend, uh, Maybe he doesn't want me to say this. I don't know. He, he my friend, took out a loan for like twenty grand.
1: So uh, we've all been there. We've all done it.
0: <laughs> so we had like uh, like thirty thousand bucks, and and we just finished. We finished it. And we made the rest of the movie. Of course, this is over the course of like ten years. You know what I mean? So this is like a project that would never end. And thirty thousand dollars is just nothing. You know, in the, in the face of something like this. But uh,
1: that's kind of how
0: all of that happened. I mean, that's the general
1: story behind it. Here's a question. How um, how far do you think $25,000, $30,000, do you think it would go further in today's age in filmmaking? Or do you think it'd be a lot tougher even now?
0: It really depends on what you're trying to do. Um, because I, uh, I just did... Uh, another project where, you know, I've got this, another feature script, but I, I just made the first 10 minutes of it. Like I made two shorts that cover kind of the first 10 minutes. Uh, And I raised the money to do that through, through Kickstarter. And we raised about $25,000 to do that. And I only made Mm. 10 minutes of the movie, you know, I could, I couldn't. And part of this too is like making danger element was arduous it was very difficult i was able to do it but barely and it was like you know almost killed me you know? and i didn't really want to repeat that but it's not to say that it couldn't be done i mean like i i was trying to raise the bar a little bit and you know also trying to give myself a little bit of a buffer of comfort rather than <laughs> suffering you know so it's all it's all in and how determined you are to do it. You know, like on Danger Element, yeah. I I think if I made Danger Element again exactly the same way, and it took me ten years to make, I think it could be done, but I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it it could be done for thirty grand, but I don't think I would want to repeat that. You know what I mean?
1: I did a lot of the budget go because I know the, you know the especially your costume and you had a lot of props. Did 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 them. Did the budget go towards, you know, obviously you had to, um, food, you know, the usual stuff that we, us filmmakers have to pay for um, when we make a film. And I know things across the pond over in in the States is a lot, well, they're, they're pretty much the same as over here in Europe. But um, apart from obviously the usual expenses... Did you guys already have your props? Did you have to buy the props? Did you have to rent them? What was, did did the, a lot of the budget go towards all that sort of stuff?
0: Uh, so I kind of got lucky with things like that. I met people along the way, industry professionals along the way. I mean, I, I knew some people before I started, right. but then sort of attracted people as I was going. So I had, you know, I had, a, I, I had a, a set builder out that was out here in Hollywood, who would build, he built some props for me, some really cool props. And it was like, he would just do it because he thought it was fun, you know? So you ended up getting thousands and thousands of dollars worth of work that people just kind of did because they thought it was fun. You know, and it was like a, an, another guy was, um, was Ted Smith. He's, he's pretty big now on, on YouTube uh, as evil Ted Smith. And he's, he, he, was a prop maker for tons of big movies you know he, he was on uh, the fifth element and he was on titanic and uh just anything he, he worked on avatar like and i met him when i was making danger element and he was so into what i was doing i, I and mean, this is kind of what's cool about making part of your movie and then showing it to people i actually had something to show him and he was like impressed by it so he came in and made some really impressive stuff that, yeah, we, we didn't really, it it didn't cost us anything. I mean, most of our budget went into travel, lodging, food, and and there were, there were things that were like props that needed to be bought, you know, like just ordinary looking props, things like that. Um,
1: Yeah, of course. But
0: the money goes quickly, you know, especially when you get a bunch of people, get get a bunch of people to show up all at one time, and you gotta feed them and give them a place to sleep, and uh, it seems and and provide some incentive for them to stick around. <laughs> you know, uh, the money goes pretty quickly. But I got lucky with that. I, I would say I got like a million dollars worth of, you know, favors. To be honest with you,
1: even well, when we do make you know no budget films, it is all about favor asking and you know trying to keep um, costs to a bare minimum. Obviously obviously the crew were all your friends, I'm assuming because I know you the cinematographer was a friend of yours. So was everyone was mm-hmm. were the main cast and crew your friends or did you bring them in as well?
0: They mostly they were people that were pretty close to me and had I had known since uh, school. but there were a few people. like I I was sort of in the middle of early production. When I met uh, Doug Jones, uh, it was right before *Pan's Labyrinth* came out. If anybody remembers that, but Doug Jones was in it, and I, I ended up I ended up at a panel uh, at like at like Comic Con for *Pan's Labyrinth*, and I had no idea what it was. I showed up there because it was Guillermo del Toro, right? And I liked Guillermo del Toro. I didn't know why he was there. I just showed up at the panel, and then they showed this trailer, and I was like, "This looks amazing." And Doug Jones was there. He plays two different characters in the movie. I ended up meeting him. I met Guillermo and Doug at the same time. And I showed Doug a couple of things. I, I like, handed him stuff, you know. And, you know, you never expect when you, when you give people stuff at these things, you never expect them to ever look at it. Uh, and he did. He actually looked at it. And he, like, called me. Um, so he's like, Doug Jones was, like, an actor that came in from the outside he wanted to be involved with it. So he was one person I didn't, he was outside my circle of friends. Uh, and then of course, Ted Smith kind of came in from the outside. And then there were some stunt guy, a couple of like three stunt guys who I knew, but had never worked with, you know, and I, I flew them in towards the end of the danger element to, to do the, the, you know, like the third act where there's all the, the big fights and stuff like that. So I brought them out for a couple of days. But for the most part it was just people that I knew, like local people.
1: So before we get into the action stuff, did them um, was the the non-action stuff easier to get around? I mean, was was that all easy stuff to film and cheaper to film or was it the whole process expensive?
0: I I always thought that when there wasn't action happening, at I, this is how i felt at that time i i don't know if i still feel this way but at the time it seemed like when there was not action happening it was harder to do because you had to really sell what people were looking at you know it's like when there's action happening it's like wow you know it's like a it's like a free special effect you know and people are dazzled by it but when you just have people in a room or on a landscape or and maybe they're just talking to each other or or something else is happening. It's, it always seemed harder to yeah. me. I was like, well, we really got to make this look like something, you know, we can't just go outside and shoot it. So it was always hard to like find locations that kind of fit the visual tone of the, the movie, things like that. When you did action, you could always kind of lean on the action. It was like, wow, it's, it's dazzling, you know, <laughs> like it's, there's all this movement and it's, it's complex yeah. and, and you can, Analyze it and be overwhelmed by it. But when you when you really need to compose a shot, I found that to be a lot harder. A, you really needed to find interesting things that I didn't. The, the tone of the movie, I mean, you, you've seen it. it it's not. You, you don't really want it to feel too much like you're just constantly looking at normal things. You know, like you, you kind of needed exotic looking, you know, locations. That was all, That was the hardest part. Me.
1: And I would have thought that it was, you know, the fighting and the action was, you know, the more complex part. But obviously, because obviously I'm assuming the way you moved in that, I'm assuming you have a background in art, martial arts because you did some crazy stuff in that. I mean, it was it was mind blowing, especially for that sort of budget. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming you got a background in martial arts. Well, I'm not assuming you have got a background in martial arts. <laughs>
0: Well, at the time that I did Danger Element, hmm. I had developed some background. When I first okay. started, I I didn't have any. Uh, when I first started, but I started started I, what I what I first started doing my early experiments is I would just take uh, a martial arts sequence oh. that I liked, and I would just try to copy oh. it. Be like, uh, let's see if I can do that. You know? And then that started to gradually evolve into my own ideas and you get used to, the, and I started learning about what do these movements mean. you know, like I'm doing the movement, but I don't know what, this, you know, you start learning that. And then I actually started looking, you know, I started learning martial arts on my own. I, I, I never took a class or anything like that, but I, I, used to know, I used to know some jujitsu guys and we would spar and I would learn things from them. And then, you know, i I looked at I looked at Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, and then that leads you into, uh, you know, his his martial arts background and the history of Chinese martial arts. And so I, by the time I got to Danger Element, I had this background. I had developed like a style of movement. You know, like my I had like a muscle memory movement. And uh, but before that, yeah, there was um, there was a point where I just there was no background. I was just kind of emulating.
1: That's incredible. Anyone, obviously, I want people to watch The Danger Element. Anyone that would watch it would think that you are a proper, like you've got an intense background in martial arts because, I mean, some of the stuff you did in that, all of the stuff you did in it was amazing. It really was. And it's just like, damn, this is good. And I mean, just the, the, what you what you just said there is amazing because, again, I didn't know this. So no, for you saying that, you know, you you sort of emulate. I mean, I in one of the projects that I did, I tried doing that. I thought, right, I'm going to take that sequence and I'm going to try and um, just do that basic move. And I tell you what, it was so hard because not only that, because when you're doing it with, with another actor that also doesn't <laughs> know martial arts... And maybe they're not as flexible as you, and they're like stiff. So it's it takes so long for them to actually get into the groove of because it's like it's true what people say is like a dance at the end of the day. And the and the good thing about it is that we can cut where it needs to be cut. But just to get those even those basic moves and blocks and whatnot, is so complicated. I mean, even I mean actors themselves that have never done ba- you know martial arts. I mean, it takes them what six to eight months to even just know the basics so let alone like people like us that are doing a no budget project so that's that's really inspiring that and that's and it's also a good tip for anyone that you know that is thinking of doing um you know action and and fight sequences on on a no budget because I'm there's a lot of people out there that do want to do it nowadays especially with all most action films these days it's, and what i was going to touch base on was also safety on set when it comes to doing action so um when you said you had some um stunt guys on on set when you did it i mean did you obviously what did you you obviously coordinated with them um not only to do the stunts but also what would be safe for everyone involved in those stunts to do them i mean so talk us through briefly on that
0: well uh on Danger Element, I I had... There were these three stunt guys that I had worked with one of them. I knew of the other two. Uh, and I brought them in for like two days. So it was like most of the movie actually was just people I had worked with before. and uh, Most of them weren't martial artists, but right. they had gotten used to doing this stuff with me. And they would just do what I told them to. And then they were... They were they had a good instinct for it because they had done so much of it with me. They had an instinct for it. And like, as far as safety goes, I mean, like I've never thought that it was worth it to put somebody at risk for a movie. It may, I mean, that may be deceptive. If you watch my stuff, I mean, it looks dangerous, but I never, you know, if you pay close attention, it's very rare that you'll see somebody like in, in something that I've done very rare that you'll actually see someone hit the ground, like actually fall and hit the ground. Uh, occasionally, but I don't really like to do it. I don't. I. I think it's an unnecessary risk, right? So I'll say just, yeah, go down out of the shot, and it'll look like you fell, you know. And then I can show you on the ground. Or every once in a while, we'll do something where a guy falls. But I, and, and you know, and I, I learned. Yeah. Obviously, since I started, I started young, there were mistakes that I made, you know, like really early on, I broke a guy's, I broke my cousin's nose, actually, shooting a, just a waste of a fight scene, you know, that nobody's ever gonna watch. Uh, and I broke, yeah, I broke his nose. And it, that was like, you know, nobody had ever gotten hurt doing anything that we were doing. So that was like a thing for me. I was like, yeah. that's no good, you know, and it it changed the way that I did things. By the time I did Danger Element, I mean I was. People involved with the fights a lot of times it, I don't know that it felt like they were involved with the fight scene. You know, it it was it was that safe. You know, like there was that much dis that much distance between the the hand or the foot and the face. You know, like people weren't in danger of being hit. Uh, and like t- today, I just have like zero tolerance for that kind of person. You know, but you know it is. It is stunts, so there's a certain amount of risk. You know what I mean? It's just like if you have like a physical job, like if you're a carpenter or, or something. There's a there's a level of risk that you're willing to accept.
1: And, and obviously, it's really important to um, talk with your casting crew when, um, no matter what the budget, even if it is at no money, especially when it's at no money, it's important to talk to your casting and crew and explain to them, the, you know, the complexities of the scene. Um, obviously and um, and to reassure them that they're not going to get hurt and you know and and show them the precautions that you're taking into what you're doing and making sure that you know that they're safe Um, because again I mean all it does take is a little you know sprained ankle to fall over and hurt I mean those things you know we as filmmakers it's our duty to make sure that everything on even if you're walking you know, down the corridor, you've still got to make sure that there's no hazards and, you know, the little things like that that, you know, the devil's in the detail and it's so important, like, to, to look into these things. So, like you're saying, like, on a, on a project like yours, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it, like you said, you, you made your mistake when, when you did the, when you started out, but then when you went into the danger element, you made sure that everything was absolutely on point and this is an important thing for any filmmaker.
0: It, in danger element is a, is a extremely low budget you know i mean when i say low budget in hollywood you say low budget and you're talking about like nine million dollars yeah it's like like it, in, in like danger element there really was nothing you know and that's why you you don't see things like you don't see high falls you don't see people falling off buildings you don't see car crashes you know things like that i, mm. yeah, I just didn't want to I didn't want to do anything that we couldn't do feasibly and safely.
1: There,
0: there is a car crash. There is a car crash, but it's
1: a, it's a trick. <laughs> You've got this insane car chase scene. Now, when, I, before, I saw, when I, before I watched the behind the scenes of the danger element, and I watched the danger element, I was like, how on earth was this pulled off? You know, this this is crazy. I mean, any again, anyone that hasn't seen it or hasn't seen the behind the scenes, and you watch it for the first time, you think that scene right there must have cost you like half a million because <laughs> it's crazy and it's so good. Because I think you you gave it great production value because of the vehicle that you <laughs> used. Um, the acting was brilliant as well. You know that you know your your tussle and fighting be on. on on what was meant to be a moving truck it was crazy so I mean even there that must have been insane and you're saying it was a trick um, you know <laughs> doing that scene there what, what were the complexities of that even though the vehicles weren't moving I've spoiled it already <laughs> well what we did you know sometimes
0: they were moving but it was all we figured it out all ahead of time um, we had two days we shot over two days and my plan was let's do as much as we can without the vehicles moving on day one. Uh, so we did the, the, all the fight, even the stuff where I jumped from one vehicle to another, we experimented on how to do that without showing the background. you know. So the camera was low looking up a lot of the time. And usually it was shaking. We'd have somebody like shake the camera so that it really looked like we're going like 100 miles an hour, you know. There was always somebody off camera with a leaf blower blowing somebody's hair to, to make it really violent. So, so that's what the, the first day we went through the whole sequence and obviously there were some shots you just couldn't fake, you know. but we did the whole fight on stationary vehicles with the camera looking up to the sky. Uh, and then the next day it was all moving stuff. And, and that gave me a chance to look. I sat down and looked at the footage and it was very clear, like I'm definitely using that shot, you know? So I knew I didn't have to shoot that again with the car moving. So I knew the next day just what pieces I needed. And we did shoot some of the fight scene with the vehicles moving. There were a couple of things that we did where they were moving because you got to throw that in there. And so you got to see something that really convinces you, okay, the vehicles are moving, you know? So there were a few things that we shot, but we, we were very careful about it. It was like, I really didn't want to do like roundhouse kicks, like on top of a moving pickup truck. So we were very selective about, about which things we did. And the vehicles were usually not moving as fast as they look like they are um, in the, in the film like if you if we we found that if you filmed from the side the thing looked like it it always looked like it was going like a hundred uh and you could be going around 20 and it would still work you know and then if it was if it was really safe we would actually drive a hundred miles an hour if it was just somebody driving you know we'd really let it rip and, and get it but um it was a a series of illusions
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, absolutely. But it worked. It, it worked. Mm. There's the things that could be like there was the drag stunt, but, you know, I forgot about that. The drag
0: stunt was sort of experimental. I mean, you can see in the film that my pants get ripped up and stuff. And my jacket kind of gets ripped yeah, because I didn't know what yeah. I was doing and I, I was not, I, that was one thing where I was like, well, I'll do this myself. I'm not going to ask somebody else to do
1: this. And we won't recommend it for anyone at home unless you know what you're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it, to be honest. Like, I I had the driver go too fast. You know, I was like, ah, you know, let's try. Let's start at, like, 20. Yeah. And then yeah. if that looks okay, maybe we'll go up to, like, 25. It's like, no, that's way too fast. <laughs> but, like, that was one thing where I was like, okay, this is, like, a legit stunt. I'll do it myself. It's risky. I'm not super knowledgeable about this particular thing I'm trying to do. I've, I've got ideas, but they they might not work. Yeah. So it's like, that was one but thing. But you put yourself,
1: like, you, you put your own neck on the line though, and you obviously would tell people never not to do it unless you've got safety precautions in place. Wouldn't do it the way I did it. <laughs> what would you say? This is such a rhetorical question, but obviously preparation is... is paramount especially in in action films i mean it's already important if you're doing a you know a, a static drama but when doing an action film preparation is of the utmost importance because it's you know one it's everyone's safety um involved and two is you know if you've got this crazy action sequence and if you get one thing wrong and you're not prepared for it it could all go belly up
0: yeah it, well, I think especially when you have so little time, because I I always had very little time. When I, if I was going to film a fight wow. or something, yeah. the time limit would be like six hours. A lot of time. I, I wouldn't even get multiple days. It would just be a six-hour window. So you really needed to know what mm. you were going to do next. There there was never a lot of time for experimentation in that regard. You really needed to. It's like it was pretty hard to get the sequence of move Like you said, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to do, you know, to get, especially if there's five, say there's five people on camera at one time to get them all to nail their marks in an, in a fight sequence. It, it, it's pretty hard to do it. And mean, sometimes it takes multiple takes. And then the first time you you have like so little time, the first time it seems to work, you're kind of like, let's move on to the next shot. <laughs> it worked in that shot. Let's get So you always want to know what's happening next and and i would the way i did it not everybody does it this way but i used to script well i still do this but i would script every single move i would write down every move right and you know it's like here's a shot and here's every move that's going to happen in that shot and i would have it all written down yeah um and then i'd have to you know look at my notes and relearn what i was thinking and show the other actors and and for me that was the only way to keep the thing moving i i didn't i didn't really with with so little time yeah. i never liked to leave it you know I, I never liked to leave things open i never wanted to be like hey let's uh make something up or you know improvise something because it, it it would kill your time you know
1: yeah of course so again it's 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 it's, it's very important to um to have everything prepped bit ahead of time do you do you do you like the idea of storyboards or are you a shotless person i
0: i like so i did storyboard some stuff early on and then it was another one of those things where i was like i don't have time to do this you know
1: right
0: so i just started writing i was like well i kind of know what i want the angle to look like i'll just write down all the moves
1: exactly, but i yeah. i
0: love the idea of storyboards because it's so you can communicate so much to somebody else
1: and yeah, let's go and film it <laughs> without it having
0: to be verbal you know like,
1: here's the shot,
0: yeah. you know, and here's the stuff that's going to happen. Yeah, I love that idea. I, I would love that for somebody to be yeah. able, you know, if I could have somebody do that and just, like, act out the shots in my living
1: room and be, you know, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Before we got into your, your new project, did, did you use a storyboard artist on on that project? I didn't.
0: Uh, there was another, another thing where it was like, even though I was putting more money mm. towards less time, it was still hard to bring other people in i would be very stingy with the money so there was a lot of um i just i had a i had a script that had that was divided up into notes with shot descriptions um that was mostly just for me i would i would look at it on the set hmm. and kind of explain to people what the next thing was going to be
1: right did did you um had, did you although because obviously a lot of us filmmakers assume that um, for like, i'm gonna t- it's just a little side note um sort of side subject really quickly but i think us filmmakers when we w- although because I, I love storyboards um and i just think it's a great marketing tool as well because obviously you have the visuals um do you do you think that uh, ha- or did you have you actually approached a storyboard artist to yeah, see sure. if they were interested because I've I've had a, few, uh, a couple of storyboard artists on, on, on the podcast and they've actually said that although it, you know, it is time consuming, they are actually quite happy to, if they like the project and it's not, and, you know, and there is, you know, no to little money, they are actually quite happy to jump on the project to give it that visual, to give, you know, to get involved with that. And I just think us as filmmakers sometimes I think, Oh I don't want to get involved. I don't want I don't want a storyboard artist cuz it's more money. Um is that is that what you thought when when you did your new project? Or is it you just didn't bother at all?
0: I I know, you know, I know a number of storyboard artists. I mean, especially working in animation. Um but it it always felt I always felt weird cuz it's like the amount of work that a storyboard artist would have to do on one of my sequences you know i've always just like i I, i've actually talked to one or two where i was like hey i i would really like you to work on this i can't bring myself to ask you to do it for nothing you know what i mean especially when it's it's such a i i really feel like the storyboard a storyboard artist is very close created creatively like they they become like a uh like almost like a central part of the brain trust of the whole thing because they bring so much to it and it's like I'm going to, oh man, I'm going to have you do this for free. I can't, I can't imagine it. You know, I've asked for a lot of favors, (laughs) you know, but, uh, as, as time goes on, I'm like, I really want to get to the point where I can, I can pay some of these people at at least something approaching what they're worth. But if they, you know, if they jump out there and say like, please, you know, I, I have like a few people that work with me that are very much like they'll get offended if I don't Ask them to do something, you know. My uh my composer, he won't let anybody else touch my stuff. He's like, if you do something, I I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use it. Yeah, I love and I love it. I've been working with him uh since the days of MySpace. Is is what he'll tell you. Right. I found his music on My MySpace.
1: MySpace? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, back back in the 1970s. Oh,
0: there
1: was this thing called like <laughs> 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 but yeah i mean I listen john that again you know any filmmaker a beginner filmmaker listening that has the note a little money i mean hopefully they'll be able to get little nuggets of information and they you know and they've enjoyed what you've said but one last thing before we jump into your new project um film festivals what have did Did you submit the danger element into any festivals and what are your thoughts on on film festivals?
0: Uh, Danger element as a feature length movie has not gone into any film festivals. But when I first started it, when I made that first 10 minute segment that has uh, the car chase that you were talking about with, you know, that we were just talking about. That segment did go into a film festival years, a couple of them years ago. And I think it won something. I think I think Glenn, the composer, won something. So that was all fun, you know. In my early days, I used to be all into film festivals because it was a way to get people to watch your film. And then you get to sit there with an audience, and it was exciting. It's it's just, I, I find it confusing now because there's, a, like you said, there's a lot of movies, there's a, you know, but now there's a lot of film festivals. And I don't know which ones are the ones to aim for obviously don't think that they're valueless, but I'm kind of out of the loop, I would say, because I've, for the past 10 years, I would say I've just been kind of shoving my stuff out on the internet and just for anybody that wants to see it. And and film festivals, a lot of time they want to be, they want to be the premiere of your project. And I'm, I'm just too, I like to give my stuff away. I like, for, <laughs> I like for people to see it. So I, by the time it, you know you come around to a film festival it's not the premiere anymore you know what I mean so yeah I think I'm kind of out of the way I
1: like, I like the idea of a film festival Um and like something like the danger element would you know people would see it on the big screen and go wow what is this this is crazy but at the same time I think the, the, the waiting process is just way too long let alone the cost I know there's a lot of free film festivals out there which uh, you know are probably worth getting into because i think with filmmakers it's all about the laurels you know if you if i can stick three four laurels on my film then you know people um, attend you know i mean i'm the first if i go on youtube and i see films have got a laurel then i'll watch it it's good that people do have that patience to you know even if it is a five ten minute film to send it no matter what the budget or the the quality it's important to you know get you know get people get some eyes on it and obviously apart from sticking it online that is uh a good way of getting attention. Cause like you said, you get more eyes, you get, you get it premiered. But I think for, for projects like the danger element or any action, you know, short action film, it's just like, let me just stick it out there and let's, let's, let's just reel in the, the views. And I think, you know, I, I agree with that, but maybe if there are film festivals out there that would accept it once it's been, um, you know, put online, then that, that's an even, that's an added bonus, I guess. So with that out of the way, talk to us about your new project
0: since around 2015 i think i've been developing a uh, another feature length script and it's based on the same characters It'd be another action adventure type of, of film and i've been you know i i've been kind of not a lot as not you haven't seen a lot of stuff from me in that time period i don't
1: think no which is why the the anticipation is is worth it
0: <laughs> yeah it was like i I was, I got, you know, I started working full time and I was, I got really busy and then was developing this script and it started out as something that, you know, my, my composer lives in, in Sweden and he's like, you should make a film in Sweden. So I actually, I went, I actually traveled there and kind of had the run of the country. It was kind of amazing. They like kind of treated me really well. We were talking about making this film and it, it, it was actually really exciting. It was like, things are a lot more accessible there and all this And then, but then you know, as time went on, you know how like the the development of these things is like things change every day, and I had started having new ideas about it, and I I've kind of I kind of got the script into a place that I wanted it to be, and I decided that I would ask my small audience if they thought I could raise the money using something like Kickstarter. And I'll be honest with you. I I didn't think it was possible. I kind of thought that I kind of thought that people had forgotten who I yeah. was. You know what I mean? But the people that had supported danger element just like came out of the woodwork. It was just like, they just suddenly reappeared. They were always there just waiting for me to say that. And I was just blown away. I thought, I, I thought, I can't believe it. I I thought nobody was going to care about any of this. And they really kind of pushed me like, there's no way this can fail. Right. So we went ahead and did the Kickstarter project and I raised enough money to make the first 10 minutes of, uh, of the film. And it's called book of lies. Now I'm kind of work. Yeah. I'm kind of using that to work towards possibly trying to raise the budget to do the rest of the movie. Um, so that's kind of the next step right now. The script is looking
1: great. Um, least in my opinion, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's a good start. That's a good start. (laughs)
0: it be everybody else <laughs> it's a lot more yeah it's a, it's a lot more um, I've had a lot more time with the script than I did with Danger Element uh, Danger Element was a very chaotic script experience um, but I'm, I'm excited about it this feels a lot more accessible you know it, it kind of has it's the same ideas but I think it, it will probably appeal to a, a wider audience but that's where we're at with it yeah, so the next yeah, the next stage of it is gonna see I'm gonna see if we can raise the money to make the rest of the movie. And I don't know if that'll be another Kickstarter or yeah. if, or if it'll be something else.
1: I think I mean me personally, I I would because it's you know, especially with the fact that you've got fans out there and then I think once they've seen that it, it's already been backed and the fact that you've been very transparent with them that it is only to because a lot of people that go on to Kickstarter might think you know oh you've only you know you you, you've taken my money but you've only done two minutes of the film but because you've been so transparent with it um, you know people you you know they'll love you for the for the trust and the honesty that you've had Um, but I mean I'm really excited about it I mean obviously again this is at the time of recording you know people might look at this uh, you know next year and go oh shit I missed out on all this but um, it's, (laughs) I mean you've got great concept art um, the posters look amazing
0: well I actually am i am working on doing um a trailer like i i made the first 10 minutes the thing I kind of haven't told people is that I also produced sec uh, like select shots uh, and'm I'm, I'm still finishing quite a few of them but eventually yeah I would like to put out i would like to put out something that's like a trailer that has you know select shots throughout the story not just from the first 10 minutes but throughout the entire story uh just to give you this kind of overall tone of what the thing is going to be you know and i don't know when that's going to happen but i'm always i'm always tinkering with it so you know right next year
1: I. Would- but you you're 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 quite abnament that you're you want to release the first 10 minutes just to show people especially your backers um, you know, what what's going on and what, you know, what you've done, which is exciting to say the least, especially anyone that's out there that is a fan of yours, um, you know, and that's that's been following you, you know, on your journey throughout the years. I mean, I'm definitely excited. <laughs> I'm
0: glad. Yeah, I'm just, I'm the kind of guy that just, I want to, I want the stuff. You know, like when we did Danger Element, I thought the thing that I didn't mm. expect was, I just suddenly decided, well, I'll just let people see what I'm doing. If I can't give them the whole movie, I'll, I'll let them in on the process uh, of, of how it's being made, you know? And it's kind of worked out for me in the past. So we'll, we'll see what happens this time.
1: Well, because I, I think the reason why it has worked for you is because, you, you know, you've been very transparent with what you've done. I mean, I, I remember
0: I tried to, I, I went to Comic-Con one year and it was the, I think Kickstarter had just gone beta, you know, it was just like brand new. And I and I saw a panel on it. So mm-hmm. I went home and I was working on Danger Element and so I created a, you know, I created a Kickstarter for Danger Element, you know. And it failed. You know, it's cuz I didn't know nobody, I mean nobody knew how to do a Kickstarter, you know. But like I'm kind of glad that it did fail because it gave me a chance to learn. Like I said we raised 25,000 for the book of lies project, but I knew, you know, okay, we got to put it, you know, this amount aside for taxes, they're going to take this much out. It's going to go to Kickstarter. You know, I never understood any of that before. And it's kind of nerve wracking. It's like to jump into that, the, the Kickstarter project.
1: Especially if you're up when you're asking people that you don't know for money, but, but sort of touching on what you said about how, your, the people that have followed you, I'll call them fans, people, that, people, fans of yours that, you know, are waiting, you know, um, with anticipation for you to come up with your next project and all of a sudden, and that's what Kickstarter is all about, is actually, um, or any crowdfunding pro, um, platform, and, and this is what a lot of these um, platforms um, advocate, is get your audience together before you actually launch. Don't leave it to the last minute to start begging for money the danger uh, sorry the you know book of lies is is so so exciting and i'm really looking forward to seeing the first whenever it comes out uh, the first 10 minutes and uh, just to see what you've 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 managed to pull off this time because it's so exciting but um john thank you ever so much for coming on it's been it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show so um for any filmmakers out there starting out yeah. and you know looking into you know making a uh, a no budget to low, you know, micro, no my ultra low budget film. Hopefully they managed to get some some grain of information out of this to, you know, take it forward. And obviously I'm going to leave um, all the links to your projects, your social medias and whatnot in the show notes and the links below for anyone that wants to check out your stuff. And once again, thank you so, so, so much for, uh, for being on the show, John.
0: Thank you, Daniel. the pleasure is mine
1: thanks a lot you've been listening to
0: the Layman Filmmakers Conversation thanks for tuning in don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube till next time keep filming